I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Upoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insights into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 96 of Theatre Forward. Oh, great to be here. For this episode, we're going to talk about what it means when we say the words world premiere in the theatre. It can be more complicated than you might think. And obviously, this topic has been top of mind for us here in Wisconsin, as World Premiere Wisconsin is now well underway, with around 50 new plays and musicals debuting all over the state this spring. And yeah. You know, it's, it was interesting to me when we started this world premiere Wisconsin idea, how many of the theater companies that we invited to participate wanted some um, definitions of what it meant to be a world premiere, what it meant to offer up a world premiere. And so we thought we might get into to some of the agreed upon and some of the maybe less agreed upon uh, aspects of this, uh, of this process. Um, and I will say that for the purposes of participation in world premiere Wisconsin. Um, we had a lot of different um, ways in which people could participate. Our goal was maximum participation from companies investing in the development of new work. So we have companies doing fully mounted productions at professional theaters. We have amateur groups doing a single one night reading around a table with a small audience. All those and everything in between counted in terms of participation in our festival. Um, because all of it was contributing to the development of new plays. All of it, uh, all of the participating um, events allowed for the public to come in and hear a play in development. So for our purposes, everything counted. But I think that the, all of us, at least in this conversation, and most of the peers that we have in the field would define a world premiere play or musical as being the first fully produced professional production wherever that might take place. So you can have workshops and, and, and readings, and Julia, you know, in a moment, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, what those terms might mean. Uh, but when you, when you hire all the people and you put it up on a stage and you've got the lighting and the costumes and the sounds and the sets and all of the things, and you invite in the audience and they all buy tickets, there you go, that's your world premiere, yeah? Um, so we'll, when we use the terms in this conversation, that will generally be what we mean. Um, but you know, talk a little bit about some of the ways um, that production, what happens with a new script before you get to that world premiere production? Yeah, and, and it goes without saying, too, Jen, that um, the world premiere is also of a play that no one else has heard before. Right. You are the very first people doing this play. Um, development, there's development, there's readings, and some of those are in our world premiere um, uh, festival because um, those are people are taking plays that have just been written. They want to hear them in front of an audience, get some actors together. Development, um, a developmental play uh, would be defined as a play that's not in full production yet. Just as you said, with, uh, without designers, without costumes, without um, a specific sound design. But really the purpose of that and readings I would I would add to that as a developmental process is for the 
playwright to hear their words in front of an audience and to get some ideas. And maybe the next step for that playwright is to is to uh, mount um, or find a place to mount a full production. But a development or a reading, developmental play or reading is not is not the full the full world premiere uh, production. And and you know to go into it a little more deeply, I mean those can really run the gamut. I mean you can have right. a staged readings and and if and maybe we'll for the moment just talk about at the sort of professional um, equity contract level. Um, you can do an 11 hour reading workshop where people rehearse for, you know, nine hours, you get together for two, you read, read the thing out loud. Maybe you have an audience, maybe you don't. You're standing in a music stand, no one's learning lines, what have you. Right. You can go all the way up to, I mean, I worked on several Broadway productions in New York City that had developmental workshops. And some of those had rehearsals for a month and did have some sound design and maybe some costume pieces and whatever, but it was still... Um, you're doing rewrites, you're not selling tickets. That was, um, you know, you'd invite people in to give you feedback because you knew you were going to keep rewriting and keep rewriting and, and really kind of everything in between. There are all kinds of union contracts. You can do these kinds of, uh, developmental, uh, workshops and readings under, and all of those are about getting the play to the point where you put all the production values in and you sell tickets. Right. I mean, you know, and I realize in some ways sideways from this conversation, but what, what the process that you're both referring to can be a real problem in American theater, too. I mean, you've got a lot of plays that by the time they finally make it to a so-called world premiere have been workshopped to death. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the it's the too many cooks in the kitchen problem. And you can sort of see it in these scripts where. You know, there are just like uh, there's so many places where you can see the, um, you know, the seams between different attempts to, to rewrite it. And it ultimately hurts the play, not to mention the potential damage it does uh, to a playwright who is like anybody putting their work into the world as there's a bit of a fragility and a bit of vulnerability with that. And when you're constantly being told to fix this or fix that, or, you know, when I've read, even just read plays for people and they've said, huh, interesting. You want me to do that? Mike, the last person that read it said to do exactly the opposite. And, you know, it's not that either of those folks are necessarily wrong, but at some point by, by delaying this move to the stage, we're just slowing down, uh, slowing down things and and also in some ways meaning work never gets produced. I mean, in the book that we've referred to a number of times on this podcast, the uh, uh, theater communications group book, Outrageous Fortune, now a decade old, on the life and times of the new American play, where they surveyed a zillion playwrights, half of them, or I'm sorry, the playwright surveyed that half their work never made it to a stage for an actual world premiere production. And given that playwrights already are only earning peanuts and can't really make a living, um, within theater to a degree that's even more significant and severe than what you see with other creatives like designers and actors. That's a real problem um, mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of the, the, the strung out development process that we have. Yeah. So uh, another aspect <clears throat> I think that's worth um, just briefly talking about is how do theater companies uh, find a script that they want to develop and or bring to a world premiere? And I mean, it, there's really kind of two different pathways. One is you find a script. Like, you know, we get sent scripts all the time that are not solicited by us. Some of them we're able to get to read. You know, sometimes we can't get to all of them. Um, there are places you can go like the, the New Play Exchange run by National New Play Network where playwrights can post their own scripts and you can go. It's a really great 
resource. You can find all kinds of new plays there. Um, so one way is you find a play, either because it's been sent to you or someone tells you about it, and you go, wow, I'm a producer. I run a theater company. I want to do this play. And you start talking to the playwright. You get their buy-in, and you're off to the races. Um, the other pathway, and we've done that before. We've, we've done quite a few world premieres here at Forward that we have um, found that have been submitted to us. Um, another pathway is commissioning. And that's when you go to a playwright that you know and say, hey, we want you to actually write a play for us, take something that does not yet exist and bring it into existence. We've done that twice at Forward now in our, our 14 years thus far, um, most recently with the production that uh, is still running as we have this conversation, um, Artemisia, that we commissioned from Lauren Gunderson. And just because I've, I've had so many questions from our audience curious about how the commissioning process works during the run of this show, I can... I can just tell you how this particular one um, worked uh, in a nutshell. Uh, and it was that we, you know, we went to Lauren and we said, gosh, we love your work. Gosh, we love working with you. And, and our audiences love your plays when we produce them. We'd like to commission you to write a play that we can develop here at Forward. And Lauren said, yay, I love Forward. I'm in. And Lauren's agent said, hold your horses. You're super, super busy. Um, and then we sort of worked out dates and timelines and everything. And hooray, it worked out. We signed a contract. We said, here, we're going to, you know, pay you, pay you some money to so help support you as you write this script, you know, to your point, Mike, commissioning is a really great way to keep a playwright writing plays. Um, and, you know, there was a first draft. We went back and forth. You know, we, we brought her to Madison to do a developmental workshop where we worked for about four or five days uh, here in a room, did a lot of rewrites, did a reading in front of an audience, got a lot of feedback. Lauren went back, did, did some more rewrites based on what we learned and came to Madison to spend some time with us in the rehearsal room and then again in tech for this world premiere production. Um, so commissioning a play, let's, let's be you know, frank about it. It's a, it's a very expensive way to mount a new production. Because in addition to just all the normal costs that you have anytime you produce a play, there's the commissioning fee. Uh, generally, you want to do at least one developmental reading or workshop uh, to hear some things out loud before you're getting into your rehearsal, your you know, production rehearsal process. Um, you nearly always want to do at, at least an extra week of rehearsal so that you can do rewrites in the room with your final you know, cast and, and your team. Um, not to mention then just some of the risks involved when you're doing a title no one's heard of when it's brand new, um, that can, can sometimes be a harder sell. Uh, I do want to say, you know, when you've got Lauren Gunderson and an exciting topic like Artemisia Gentileschi and an audience that really, you know, knows and loves this playwright, this has actually been a, a very successful show for us. And I want to say that so anyone listening is like, don't be scared of doing new plays. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money involved in, uh, in commissioning a play. And most of those costs, basically everything except for the commissioning fee, um, come to bear when you're doing any world premiere, whether it's one you've just stumbled across or one that you've commissioned into existence. I mean, what's particularly awesome about uh, somebody who, uh, like Lauren Gunderson, you know, you know, every year most produced or one of the most produced playwrights in the United States, for her to choose to come to what she is calling her second home, I think I'll probably repeat that about 5,000 times between now and the end of my life, uh, that that's how she thinks of forward. But, but that for her to come to the Midwest, when she's a playwright that could be produced anywhere in the country, um, 
is sort of making a statement, a statement that needs to be made um, and that is also being made through World Premiere Wisconsin, which is, hey, there's a lot of great plays that are being produced in so-called flyover country. I mean, I serve on the American Theater Critics Association Steinberg um, Awards Committee, which every year is awarding an award to the best playwright, uh, best play that's staged outside of New York City. And pound for pound, the plays that I'm reading and that we're awarding can go up against anything that's being done in New York. I mean, the best here is as good as the best there. But for playwrights who are rightly worried in this country that they won't get a second or a third production because it doesn't have the sexiness of world premiere attached to it, it takes a certain amount of guts to say, I'm going to go with a place that is not as sexy uh, as having something produced in, in, in New York City. Um, because I recognize and value the importance of regional theater in the American ecosystem, because I know that companies like Forward Theater do outstanding work and will take care of me and take care of my play. And because I have the courage to think that the play is good enough and they'll do a good enough job with it, that it will get a second or third production, even if that's not, uh, even if it's starting its life um, in a place like Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Mike, I know you because you've you've seen many plays that have participated in um, a rolling world premiere process, um, which I think has been a really exciting development in the field that's maybe on the regional level taking taking the place of the out of town tryouts that we, you know, hear lore of in the in the Broadway world. Um, but do you want to just talk a little bit about about what those are? Sure. Yeah, the National New Play Network and its role at the Rolling World premieres that are part of it is a system that's put, in, put into place where you have guaranteed for a play um, at the very beginning a certain number of productions that are lined up. So you instead of having one place call itself the place that had the world premiere, you have three or four or even five, in some cases, theaters sharing the accolade of, of being able to name a play as a world premiere and to think of all of those plays together, uh, I'm sorry, all those theater companies together as, as invested in the development process, as sharing costs for making sure that that play happens, and for therefore sharing the credit. It's no different than the way you would think of producers going in together to make a Broadway play happen, or in other private enterprises, a bunch of people investing together and taking mutual credit as well as mutual risk. That helps spread the risk for the playwright as well, and it guarantees you know, multiple productions so that a play really has a chance if it's good to get momentum and also so that you can have some of those world premieres taking places in places like Cincinnati or Milwaukee or Madison or Minneapolis, along with, you know, Berkeley Rep and something uh, in New York City. And so when you put it all together, you really start to think of a world premiere and of the process through which it happens as a shared enterprise involving all of American theater, um, rather than the sort of New Yorker view of the world, which is American theater stops at the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's great that you mentioned that, that really, you know, two, two big hardships that, that playwrights face. One is, as you were saying earlier, that, that some plays get developed to death and that, um, there's, you just have these series of developmental processes and no, no full production ever comes. Um, and we, I think we all uh, know examples of that. But then the other problem is the plays that premiere and then no one wants to give it that second or third production. So the play has been invested in to get developed. It's out there, it's available, but it doesn't yet have a track record beyond whatever that first production was. Um, and I will say it's one of the things that I 
relish the most, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, uh, that we get to do it forward because we're so focused on newer works um, and our audience is used to us programming things that maybe don't have as much um, uh, of a known title. We haven't been as worried about that. And a lot of the plays that we've done have been second, third, fourth productions out there. And it's kind of fun. I, I think it's, you know, it, there's obviously risk involved, but um, it's, it's one of the things I'm, I'm proudest of just as playing our little part. We haven't had the resources to do, you know, world premieres every single season or to, to commission something every single year. But by helping a lot of these scripts get that second, third, fourth production so that there starts to be, when you Google the play, you can see that it's getting done. You can see how it looks, how it's been received. Um, that 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 has felt like you know one of our our ways of contributing to new play development, even if we're not specifically doing. Um, well, one of one of the great things about world premiere Wisconsin is that we are we're showing the state, hopefully other parts of the country, um, how many how much theater there is in Wisconsin. We're taking chances. Lot we're all taking chances on on playwrights, on plays, and develop the development of this work. Um, there, there is a risk involved in doing a world premiere. And, and what is happening right now, as we're seeing, is that um, companies are grabbing this world premiere moniker without doing the work. And um, can I go into sure. a, a specific example? Yeah, why don't I uh, why don't I tee us up with the tee us uh, up, please the the, the background. Um, so yeah, it, it is it's exactly to your point, Julie. It's it's um, uh, essential to the lifeblood of American theater what regional companies do, um, ranging from big ones like Steppenwolf and the Geffen and Seattle Rep and Milwaukee Rep, et cetera, et cetera, um, down to smaller companies like Forward and even smaller companies still. Um, and, you know, American theater doesn't exist without the resources we put in. You know, I've looked at the last couple of, you know, American theater magazine, top 10 lists of the most produced plays. And you look at them and the vast majority of them were commissioned and or premiered, uh, by regional theater companies, not in, in, not in New York city. And that's great. Um, we had an incident a year ago that really, uh, shocked and dismayed us here. Uh, the, the year before, um, we became aware of a play that debuted during the first year of the pandemic, uh, Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy that had been, uh, was being planned for a joint world premiere. Uh, I believe, well, it was going to premiere at Theater Squared in Arkansas. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, it, this, they decided to do it as a piece of digital theater instead. And it became a co-pro with Hartford Stage in Connecticut. Um, and, you know, to my mind, that was the world premiere, right? Here's two companies that put these resources in. And they did this very highly produced piece of uh, d digital theater that was, it wasn't just a Zoom reading. It was very creative and, and sort of advanced the art form terrific. at a time when everyone was really experimenting. Um, and it sounded amazingly cool. And, you know, I, 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 I saw it. I thought, oh, gosh, this would be a great play for Forward. And, you know, sort of um, very persistently went after a license to do it on stage. And after several months of, of trying, we were granted a license to do it in spring of 2022. 
yay, very exciting. You know, it had, it had premiered online. I imagined it would be done all over, but a year from now we'll be doing it. This is how I thought when we got the rights in spring of 21. Um, and then as we got into summer of 2021, um, I was sort of looking around and I realized nobody, everyone else has announced their seasons. No one else is doing this play. Are we going to be the first production on a stage? Looks like we are contacted the playwright. Yeah, this is the first production on stage. And we thought, okay, well, we didn't really plan to do a world premiere. And again, we considered the digital version to be the world premiere, but the playwright hasn't had a chance to like see a full production of a play in front of actual humans in a room together because pandemic. So we scavenged up some resources and got in touch and said, you know, you should really come out during the run. You know, we'd love to fly you out. You can see, see the show, see it in front of an audience and, you know, and make sure everything's working the way you want. This is what you do at a world premiere, right? You get to see it in front of an audience and finish your play. So it turns out, um, Claire at Sarah she came out a couple of times to Madison. We did a ton of work on the play um, and we did a full production spring of 2022, um, which I'm very proud of. We, you know, I think solved a lot of things that um, were a little tricky about the script that hadn't, didn't really need to be dealt with in a digital version. And um, our production values were really, really high. It was an incredibly expensive production, you know, well into the six figures. Uh, and you know, we, we just said, Hey, it's a Wisconsin premiere. We're the first ones here doing it in Wisconsin, but we continue to think of that digital version as the world premiere. We were just really proud that we were able to help get this play its first live in-person production. And then a month later, company in New York announced that they were going to, in spring of 2023, do the world premiere of Russian Troll Farm. And we thought, well, that's weird because we think the world premiere was the people who invested in doing it digitally. And if that's not how you define the world premiere, then we kind of think it should be what we just spent many, many, many tens of thousands of dollars and time and effort doing. So that led us to quite a, um, a dismaying back and forth with the playwrights agents. I'll hand it to you, Julie, because I let you handle this fun. Yes, I, uh, I first tried to uh, contact the managing director at Jiva Theater and didn't get any response. Just a, you may not know that a year ago we did a full production. So you can't really call yourself a world premiere. Never heard anything. Called the agent, um, Diana Glazer who told me, and this is, I think, the reason for this podcast, honestly, is that it is industry standard to give someone in their contract the words world premiere, whether or not another company has already done a full production. We obviously went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And um, no, in my mind, um, and I'm sure most of the people uh, for whom um, this podcast is landing, um, that is not industry standard. There are there are specific definitions of what makes a world premiere, and by all definitions, Jiva Theater was not doing the world premiere of Russian Troll Farm. And I think what was really the kick in the teeth is at the end of the day when we asked, we need to be mentioned in some way. We we did this full production. You're giving somebody by contract the the words world premiere. We need something. 
and we um, are credited um, as being a developmental production. After and as yeah, um, a, a developmental production in their playbill and maybe in their lobby, but it, I, it, it happened eventually. It did happen eventually. But we've done the definition of developmental production, and we've done the definition of world premiere production. Our production of Russian Troll Farm was not developmental. It was a full-on, full production. And by all definitions of world premiere, I'm sure that it was a beautiful production at Jiva. And I'd like to make a quick point that we are doing this podcast after their show closed because we didn't want to hurt their production in any way. We are supportive. We are game players. We are just saying right now that was hurtful. That was wrong. We're moving on from this. This is this is the last you'll hear of it. But um, especially as we are as we're doing a world premiere festival in our own state, for that to be um, attributed incorrectly, I think was the real kicker. Well, and it's because you know it's because we're game players that I mean the issue ultimately. I'm I'm disappointed in Jiva. I'm frankly disappointed in Sarah Gancher. Um, but but the real issue is not you know us being sad because this title wasn't attributed to us, even though a lot of hard work by people who worked on our production is not being honored as a result in the ways that it should be. The larger issue in terms of being game players is that we need an American theater, a genuine quid pro quo between the coasts and all the work that gets done in between. In the same book I referred to earlier, The Outrageous Fortune, The Life and Times of the New American Play, the conclusion they reach is that bigger, more prestigious theaters need to step up and take second and third productions um, for a couple of reasons. It'll allow playwrights to feel more comfortable debuting their work in a, in a place that might actually be better for the play, for the work to be born, maybe a Midwestern theater in this case. Um, it's also a recognition of the fact that that work feeds into and makes possible some of the work and some of the productions that later can happen. Um, on the two coasts. And so in exchange for that lifeblood, which is flowing toward places like New York, there needs to be an acknowledgement of that work that's being done and a recognition that, you know what, if you're doing the second or third production in New York, in the way that we often at Forward will do a second or third production, that is something to be damned proud of. I'm proud of the second and third productions (laughs) that we have done in terms of helping give these plays that have such a hard time getting that second and third production an additional life. And there is no shame in Jiva saying, you know what? Yes, first of all, Forward or Theater Squared, take your pick, did the world premiere. And secondly, we have every right to be proud of the very courageous move that we are making in giving this very difficult to do because it is, it's in a mind-blowing, awesome play, but it's a hard play to mount. We should be proud of the fact that we're doing the second production. And we sort of acknowledge the work of our forebears in terms of helping to bring it to life. And you know what? We share in the glory in having continued this play on its road to, to the greatness that this particular play really does deserve. Yeah. And I, I think we... I can fairly say we, we wrestled with even even talking about this because um we're fine forward's fine you know what i mean we're all good we're done from this um but honestly we wanted to talk about it because it really is not making it about us but about this this systemic um erasure of 
what companies like Forward do, not just what we do, but what companies like ours do. And to me, the, the, I get it um, that the, the agent for this playwright did not consider the digital version to be the world premiere the way that we would have credited them because they're the ones who invested it in it in the first place. Fine. The agent promised Jiva that they could call it a world premiere. Okay. The agent knew that they had given us the rights to do it, that we were doing it more than a year in advance of Jiva, that we were doing a full production, that we were investing extra money and resources on our own front to fly the playwright out here to help her develop her script, that we were going to do all of this work to make the play better and to give it more legs for future success. And that whole time, she knew that she was promising this other company that they could call it the world premiere. And again, we had never asked to call ours the world premiere, but what we didn't want is to be erased after the fact. And at no point were we ever, you know, notified, oh, by the way, yes, you can have the rights, but this company is going to come along and then say that they're the world premiere and, and they, you know, imply that your, your production didn't happen. Um, and it's that kind of, oh, it, the work here doesn't matter because it's not happening in New York state. Uh, and if there are other um, feelings that went into it on their end, other than that, uh, there may well be, but we were certainly not um, given, made privy to any of, of those thinking because we were very, very quickly ushered, ush, ushered out the door. And, um, and yeah, it's not a good feeling. We, we, we worked real hard on that script and we invested a lot and we're very proud of the work that we did. And, and it makes me sad that that the designers and and artists, um, the actors that worked on that show, did not um, were, were so easily brushed aside. But we bring it up because, frankly, this is not a unique circumstance. I've heard from many other artistic directors um, that this kind of thing happens way too frequently, and uh, our our field would be a lot better if it didn't. Well, and, and, you know, our field would be better if, if, if I can sort of focus on the, the positive and the high that I'm feeling halfway through the World Premier Wisconsin Festival. If you had collaboration on a national level uh, and interaction on a national level of the sort that you are seeing here in Wisconsin, where in ways that I, I can't speak for the other folks on this podcast, but at least for me, as somebody who's spent a lot of time with a lot of these people, as you have too, over the years, even I am shocked and surprised by the level of joy that is taking place, not just because people are seeing a lot of new work, but because of the collaboration that is happening. When I have to sit here, as I did this morning, and, and, and look at my May theater schedule as though it were a game of Tetris, because I have so many Wisconsin world premiere productions to be seen all over the state next month. I mean, nothing could make me happier. And and you talk to playwright after playwright. I had a, a discussion earlier today to write an article for World Premier Wisconsin with Jennifer Blackmer at Ball State University in, in Indiana, um, resident playwright at Broken Nose Theater in Chicago. We'll be doing a world premiere at Third Avenue Playworks opening in two weeks. And she was gushing, as so many playwrights have that I've talked to in the last month, about what an amazing thing it is that this state is investing the kind of resources that, oh, yes, we also invested in Russian Troll Farm, but is investing those resources in making these plays happen and giving these playwrights who are just hungry to have their work produced the kinds of chances that companies like ours regularly do give uh, to playwrights. Oh, Mike, 
Thank you for, I feel like I'm usually the one who has to put us onto a, a happy note at the end so that we can end positively, but I, I want to wrap it up on that. And, because and can I say so really quickly, that. and then what we hope is that there are second, third, fourth, 15th. Amen. These plays deserve it. Premier Wisconsin plays. <laughs> Amen. And on that hopeful and enthusiastic note, we will say that that is all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. I'm Jenna Poff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced, as always, by Scott Hayden. You can follow us and share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theater Forward. Theater, as always, spelled with an E-R. This is America, people. (laughs) (laughs) And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. We are very grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.